Hi again, this is Simon. Uh, after serving as launch director for the Corbin War Room, who was recently awarded NG of the Year at the Business Green Leadership Awards, Peter Boyd served as its chief operating officer until very recently. Peter has over 15 years of strategy, marketing, operations, and general management experience in the private sector. Prior to the Carbon War Room, Peter was CEO of Virgin Mobile South Africa, VP of Marketing at Virgin Mobile USA, as well as fulfilling various marketing and managerial positions for Virgin Group for over 10 years. After graduating from Oxford University in philosophy, politics, and economics, Peter started his career with McKinsey & Co. in London, India, and South Africa. Parallel to his tenure at the Carbon War Room, Peter served as chair of the UK's Energy Efficiency Deployment Office, part of UK Department of Energy and Climate Change, advising on accelerating efficiency improvements across the economy. He's also on the advisory board um, group for the World Bank Sustainable Development Network, the Corporate Responsibility Officers Association, and Climate Nexus. Thanks, Simon. This is Amy Califa, and Peter, I want to welcome you to the podcast today. Before turning the mic over to you, I just want to share this quote with our audience from the Carbon War Room's homepage. Almost all of the technologies needed to meet our global 2020 emissions reductions requirements exist today. And in fact, the Carbon War Room's mission is to accelerate the adoption of business solutions that reduce carbon emissions at gigaton scale and advance the low-carbon economy. I had the chance to meet briefly with Peter prior to this interview, and I think you'll agree that his optimism on this topic is infectious. Peter, can you please get us started by talking about your background in sustainable business and how the Carbon War Room came to be and your involvement as COO there as well as being the UK's energy advisor? Yes, yeah, great. And can you, can you hear me okay? Yes. That's great, clear. great. Well, well well, great. Well, hi, hi, hi everybody, and, and, and thanks very much for the intro as well. Um, in terms of where, where I got started on this uh, and, and how did Carbon Warm come to life, um, I'd always been part of the sort of Virgin group, uh, as you said, in multiple positions. I think it was about 10, 10 positions in 12 years, um, so hop, hopping around a bit. And, and one of the nice things about the group was giving uh, me and others like me sort of responsibility in areas I didn't necessarily have, have experience in. Um, and seeing how, how that went. went. Um, actually, in C, uh, the CEO position at Virgin Mobile South Africa, one of the quirks of that was gathering on Necker Island, uh, Richard's home, which is not a bad place to have a conference, um, and working out in the uptime, which is like the mornings, you know, how our businesses were going, but in the downtime, talking about the bigger issues that were sort of uh, of the day and were troubling or, or, or challenging Richard and, and others, others at the time. One of those was the environment. Um, I, even though I was sort of actively helping, I suppose, rather than hindering, in the Virgin Mobile South Africa is a virtual network, so not building out new masts but trying to use existing infrastructure more efficiently, I wasn't squarely in the environment at all. So I think in terms of background in sustainable business, I think many people on this call have got a better background than, than I started with. Um, but in, in terms of how that the, the Come Warm came about, I think we were one of many conversations on the, on the island saying, what can business do to really accelerate the transition? And we, we, th we thought of some models like the Elders, which is theelders.org, um, within, within the Virgin Unite, uh, which is the social foundation part of Virgin. Within that sort of sphere of influence, there's the Elders. There was uh, an effort to, to uh, coordinate efforts on AIDS and HIV in Southern Africa, one that was sort of near and dear to my heart at the time, uh, being a CEO of a Southern African company, where 15% of my team um, had HIV, for instance. So that was a real issue, and the coordination was, was critical. You add those things together, or we did, and said, well, wouldn't it be great if there was something like that on the environment? Entrepreneurs all getting together, realizing the business opportunity on the environment, and pointing in the same direction. And so the war room piece was far more like a Clinton's media war room, like get everyone in, in the room rather than necessarily a military analogy. It's very much a business analogy that came through from there. How can entrepreneurs all point in the same direction? Um, so that, that was the thought. Um, I, it was nothing more than helping out with the conversation and then, I, you know, sort of a one-pager and I went back to South Africa. But then a year later, came back to London and, and meeting with, with the, those at the center of Virgin and, you know, Richard and, and, and Gene Olwang and, and, and others, said, remember, they all said, remember that conversation we had a year ago? Well, 
it could, it could actually be happening, and uh, uh, can you help? So, so, so I, I, was, I was in a position to help with sort of the, the, the first strategy, first budget, all that sort of stuff. We gathered some more people again on, on, on Richard's home, but this time very much focused on potential funders and active, you know, sort of active helpers of, of, of what would then become the Carbon War Room. Um, in terms of how did my uh, involvement come, come to pass, it was one of those classics. I don't know if anyone's seen the movies, but The Jungle Book, where it's like any volunteers and, and a crowd of elephants step back, leaving a volunteer. But I was really the only, the only one on the island that was in a position to be the launch director. Um, and so there it was. Uh, so I came away with a job, uh, of my, or rather my next task, and, and, and that was in, in terms of trying to pull together what would the carbon war and become. Um, so I didn't really have to answer the question sort of straight on. I didn't really have a, 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 a solid background in, in, in uh, sustainability and the environment as, as, as some others on this call. But I suppose it, be, being there and with, having set up businesses before and being part of that, I think that's what I was bringing um, and, and, and treating this as a business opportunity and a business problem, albeit as a nonprofit. Um, we gathered a, a team around that, including a CEO from the solar industry, uh, Jigger Shah, and, 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 and a chairman uh, from great sustainability background in terms of former president of Costa Rica, Jose Maria Figueres, um, and, and, and a team sort of evolved from there. Um, so that's really, you know, sort of how, how it came to pass. Luckily, you know, sort of when we got this great team with uh, an immense credibility in the environment, uh, they wanted me to stick around. And so I, I, I sort of learned a lot and worked hard. And, and, and the last few years of that, was I was, I was chief operating officer uh, as, 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 as we moved on. Um, in parallel to that, um, the UK Department of Energy and Climate Change um, uh, sort of found me amongst amongst others, I imagine, and said, you know, sort of, we've got a, a post called the Chair of the Energy Efficiency Deployment Office. Would you like to apply? And I said, I, I, I don't uh, um, have a particular background in government or how government works, but if, that, if that's not what you need, then then happy to consider it, basically. And so what I was for a couple of years, just on a day-a-week basis, is, is going into that department as, as chair of that team, not, not as, a, not as an, a line manager, but coming in and giving that outside perspective and giving some strategy and marketing expertise, I suppose, um, but, but also then being able to be a one foot in, one foot out person for the UK department as they started to engage business and getting energy efficiency moving in the economy. The thing that's in parallel between those two things is it's both really the sort of the business opportunity of solving climate change. You know, energy efficiency in the UK is, is stuff that makes money um, and, 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 should, and far more of it should be happening. And that's the core part of the cut more. Sorry, I had my phone on mute there. Well, before we dive deeper into some of the projects that you did in the Carbon War, because I, I know there's a lot there to talk about. Um, I want to just start with something that's current events. And when I contacted you earlier this week, Peter, you were working under a very tight deadline for something that you said you could announce today. So uh, is our Sustainable Fridays podcast about to get a scoop? It, it, it's almost a scoop. I think it's like a 24 hours after the scoop. Uh, but it, it, was, it was indeed the reason that some of your emails landed in the black hole, and I, and I apologize to the team for that. Um, but, but um, yeah, so, so the move from uh, Carbon War Room, um, uh, I think we might talk about it later, but, but, but when, they, when we were constructing the merger with Rocky Mountain Institute, it became clear that this was the perfect place for the Carbon War Room to sit, but not necessarily me personally in it. And it was a perfect opportunity to kind of leave and, and, and go on to the next thing. And, and, and one of those next things uh, was, was the B team. And, and the B team, uh, for those that, that want to sort of research more, B, just B team. Org, is Richard Branson and a number of other business uh, icons is probably the right word um, who will club together and we're focused on business as a force for good in the world and how can we actually you know sort of create a, a real movement of businesses doing more than just profit and um, people planet and governance are supposed are the rough buckets of, of, of opportunity in terms of how to expand businesses' uh, view on what is good, um, and, and, and I hope to cross the climate advisor for them. Um, the scoop, or, or rather the thing that's happening right now and unfolding publicly as we, as we speak today, is, is that um, a critical part for climate change um, uh, you know, going forward is, is a, a deal in Paris with the governments and, and, and setting up and adding up the ambition of, of the world's governments. Uh, in, in what they call COP21 uh, in Paris in December. Um, and the, the, the area of focus that we thought we could do the most as B team was rallying and calling for a very ambitious goal. 
And so we went uh, public yesterday, or in the, in the stroke of midnight, just just so that we could be in Christiana Figueres' lap, effectively a letter that said, Dear Christiana, we call on you to call on the government to put a net zero emissions by 2050 uh, ambition embodied into the text. So whatever they add up to as individual um, country ambitions, uh, we want we want uh, the, the text to include that overarching goal. And so we went live on that with a letter to her uh, from about 11 or 12 of the, of, of, of the leaders um, and then managed to get that in Financial Times, Guardian, Reuters um, and on, on the stroke of midnight. And we're, we're currently dealing with the positive fallout from that and, 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 and sort of subsequent interest in why would business leaders call for such an ambitious target, which is really the voice that I think the world needs on this. Um, and that's what we've been doing. And I suppose if you can imagine 14 leaders with 14 teams, how many opinions that is to rally, um, and then press on the other side and, and uh, the UNFCCC, the UN bodies on, on another side, it was a busy week. It sounds like it was a really busy week, and it's an exciting goal. And for those of us who were on the call last week, it's you know pretty interesting. We spoke with Professor Mark D. Jacobson from Stanford University, who is the creator of the Solutions Project, and he's actually put forth a methodology for getting to 100% renewable by 2050. And now to have business leaders on board is Really, the missing link is government. So I hope that this is the, you know, that this is the thing that pushes the government forward. And very exciting for those of us who are studying sustainable business. Um, let's go back and talk a little bit about your recent merger with the Rocky Mountain Institute. Um, that, you know, you you're involved in a lot of different groups here. So for people listening in on the call, if you could kind of explain what they do, what the car, how, how the merger brings these two groups together and what the added value is, that would be really great. Yeah, great. Yeah, and, and in terms of the, the the kind of you know what's happening unfolding now on the meeting, we might come back to it. But it's just uh, you know sort of zero by twenty fifty is is the hashtag on that that we're hopefully you know the, the conversation has started on. I mean, in terms of the, the 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 merger, I mean, I think going back a step, what's interesting is a couple of things. One, we were solely focused and still are on business solutions to climate change, and a solid belief that you know sort of almost whatever happens. Uh, in governments and whatever happens with consumers, it's you know their businesses providing the goods and services of the system uh, that need to power uh, this this transition that we need as quickly as we need it. Um, and, and and Carbon War Room found in in Rocky Mountain Institute uh, effectively a group with the same belief and the same idea that this is how the world must change, but with very different skill sets and in a complementary way. I think Carbon War Room, we've always majored on entrepreneurs coming in from outside, you know, the, the nonprofit sector and think, how can we make this work and make it public and, and go out there very much, I suppose, following the brand of, of, of Richard Branson, one of, you know, the, one of our key founders. Um, whereas Rocky Mountain Institute, a, a fantastic founder with, with Amory Lovins and a real thought leader for 30 years plus in the areas of energy efficiency and, and, and general sort of off-oil solutions, uh, reinventing fire was 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 was, was his recent book uh, with, with with the team there. There was 80 plus people based in Colorado thinking up some brilliant answers and engaging, but potentially not getting the sunlight that they deserved. So here was Carbon Warren getting out front, engaging in entrepreneurs and investors, not always having the backing of you know sort of the solid work, and then RMI producing an immense amount of solid work and not always getting the engagement. And so, so the two uh, sort of forces joined together. We thought we thought it was an excellent idea. Um, and we've got Jose Maria Figueres, as I mentioned earlier, the, the, the former president of Costa Rica and CEO of WEF. He was our president at the time. He became chairman of both organizations. And Rocky Mountain Institute's uh, CEO, Jules Kortenhorst, has become the CEO of the joint of, of the of the joint uh, outfit. I think last piece on the merger. It's just it, it's so nice to see. I mean, I think many people on this on this call might be sort of from business and going back into business, where mergers are the order of the day. If you can create shareholder value and you know the combined profit hopefully adds up to uh, more than than what you started with, um, it doesn't have, often happen in the nonprofit sector. So I think it's really nice to see that you know sort of people are effectively saying, well, actually we're better together rather than creating a new splintered voice. Let's make a, make a, make a voice that's coherent and clear. That's that's a fantastic uh, merger to to learn more about, especially as as we've learned a little bit about uh, 
kind of what, what thought leaders are doing in the sustainability field uh, on the nonprofit side as well as the business side. Uh, this is Simon here, Peter. Um, and I was just wondering, hopping back specifically to um, work at the Carbon War Room, if you could describe a project that you worked on where you felt maybe had the greatest impact um, on sustainability and just moving us forward as a, as a planet. Yeah, um, I, I, so, so I think building on that, the idea of kind of carbon warrior being business solutions to climate change and, and, and gig it some scale, I think our first project that we did almost before we were launched, but back in 2009, are still working on, is, is the shipping industry, maritime shipping. And, and, and it also, I think, illustrates, uh, hopefully, the, the, sort of the way that we look at a problem. And the way uh, uh, and, and through it to the solution. So the shipping industry, looking at it from the outside in, as, as, as we did at Carbon War, and we said this is really interesting. It's part of the the, the, the big um, number of gigatons being produced. In fact, shipping is only a hundred thousand vessels, but it is a billion tons of CO2. So if it was a country, these hundred thousand ships would actually be the sixth or seventh largest country in the world in terms of emissions. Um, yet there was an incredible amount of fuel savings, even at the surface level of looking at, at the problem, um, maybe up to 20, 30% efficiency, $70 billion a year of fuel was effectively you know, sort of savable but wasn't being captured. So this is incredibly interesting. In terms of those that have, have, have you, you've probably covered it on the program, the, 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 the MAC curve, McKinsey cost curve, now there's the marginal benefit curve, but the idea of an x-axis where this is all the things we need to do as a world to take the, the tons of CO2 out of the atmosphere and, 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 and mitigate and, and, and effectively emit less. And that's all the initiatives as a, a, on the bar chart. And then the y-axis is explaining the cost or the benefit of doing so. Then, then, then shipping is, is a classic like insulating a building where you, know, sort of you do it, you save the fuel, and you also save environment at the same time. So the, pu the, the puzzle, you know, sort of as a world, you've got to attack all the what we call left side of the cost curve stuff, things that entrepreneurs should be making money anyway. Then the right side of the cost curve, the expensive stuff to, 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 to not emit, whether it's coal capture, um, you know, carbon capture and sequestration from coal-fired power plants or stopping uh, developing countries chopping down their trees or some other things that are expensive but worthwhile doing. We were really focused and quite intrigued about the shipping industry was it's on that left side. It's like, geez, there's $70 billion of profit locked in this industry that they're not making, and that would be saving carbon. And because of the type of fuel that shipping, shipping burns, it's the worst fuel in the barrel, effectively. It's called HFO, heavy fuel oil. It's, it's the thickest stuff. There's also black carbon effects. Um, there's, there's NOx, SOx, you know, the nitrogen oxides, uh, sulfur oxides. Part you know sort of nasty stuff basically, um, and so so we looked at it and thought well why is that the case, and the interesting thing is the technologies are available with some brilliant stuff and for those that are more technically minded on on the call you can get really excited about the uh, the, the the technologies that are available from software to avoid storms and micro trim the ship so it's just right and just level with the cargo inside, um, through to propellers. Um, air bubbles going underneath the, uh, the forced underneath the hull, so that it, it, it affects the lubrication of, of the ship on the water. Special paint. I could go on and on. It, 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 you know, sort of, and I'm not technical, and it's, it is still an exciting area to discover that these, these solutions exist. So the puzzle was why not? Why aren't weren't they on ships at scale, and why weren't people getting the 70 billion? It turned out that there was critical market failures in the, in the industry, not necessarily policy failures, but, but, but market failures nonetheless. One, it turned out, was in the case of information. So it's very hard to tell a clean ship from a dirty ship. So if I'm on the supply side and my ship has got all the technologies, it's hard for me to display that versus my competitors. And then the other one was on the demand side. If my, my, my cargo, I wanted to put it on a clean ship, a nice green ship, then it's hard to pick them in the marketplace. So it was, it was affecting both sides. The, the, other, the other key market failure was split incentives. So just like the case in a rented building where it, it does, you know, sort of the insulation doesn't happen because of a landlord-tenant problem, the landlord doesn't want to, say, insulate because it's not his electricity bill he's saving, and the, and the tenant doesn't want to do it because it's not their building, um, is the same way in the shipping industry, it turned out. 70% of the fuel in the industry is, it was, was consumed by, or sorry, was paid for by the cargo owner not by the ship owner. So why would I, as a ship owner, put all the bells and whistles on my ship if somebody else gets the benefit? And because of the first problem, 
nobody's really going to tell anyway. So those, the, the first stage on this was saying, you know, like, what's the problem? And, and then the second stage, which is obviously far more interesting to anyone going, you know, wanting to go back into the private sector or, or even sort of non-profits with action, was saying, well, what do we actually do about this? Not just, let's not just write a report about this. What, what can we actually do? And where are the pins of market failure we can push on with a relatively large amount of pressure? And so we created it three ways um, um, and, and are still in this. This is present tense I'm talking about, not, not, not past tense. We, but we did, firstly, on the information side, create the first ubiquitous index for ships. So just like you've got an A to G rating in, in Europe for fridge freezers and an Energy Star rating in America, and, and you know, why can't you have the Energy Star rating for ships. So, so um, we created it with a database uh, that was available, uh, a methodology that was available from the International Maritime Organization, and mashed them together and put it online for free on shippingefficiency.org, so that such that if you create, if you knew the name of the vessel, you could put it in and you would get the rating. And that went live uh, in Cancun. Um, we created a splash there and, and, and a big news item and said this is important. Uh, we're taking on the shipping industry, et cetera, or, uh, and also trying to help it um, and, and, and solve the information. That's been building as, as one track, and the first track we thought solve information. Second um, was then saying, well, that's all very well, but who's going to act on this? And instead of going to the policymakers, as an entrepreneurial NGO, we went to the fuel buyers, and we said, why aren't you saving $200 million of your $2 billion fuel bill cargo? Because you should be, just by going up the, going up the index. And so that's what happened. And, 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 and so we did Cargo and, and a few others, and now 27 other charterers have joined them. And, and, and some went public as the FT, saying we will no longer use the worst ships on the fleet, the Fs and the Gs. We are going to migrate up and pick As and Bs. Um, and so it was a commercial driver to the, to, to the owner. The other one on the carrot side, if that was a stick, was going to the port and saying, why don't you clean up your local air and help your local mayor be happy about you as a port? by rewarding A's and B's um, and giving them special dock reduction fees. And then if you're left with that pincer movement now on the owner going, this is a real shame, you're like, it, it, now, now it doesn't matter what I've got on my ship and the efficiency piece, but how can I afford it? We then borrowed some finance mechanisms, and that's the third track of finance, borrowing the finance mechanisms that were currently coming out in the building trade to get around the landlord-tenant problem and said, why can't we make these mechanisms exist in the shipping industry? where investors that were selfish and wanting a return would put the money up, technologies would get a free customer effectively, or I mean a full paying customer, ship, ship owners would get free kit, in quotes, as in they wouldn't have to put their hand in their pocket. And the charterer, uh, the person who's paying for the fuel, would get slightly lower fuel in the short term and then a lot lower in the long term. So everybody would win. So those are the three areas. We've been working really hard at them for five years um, uh, and, and really getting traction, uh, as, as I have touched on, on all three. And it, I think it's a good example because if you take a step back, you say there's money to be made here. This capitalism slash you know, entrepreneurship can really power this without too much sort of, you know, sort of meddling or, or extra regulation required from government. We've just got to solve those market failures and get the money moving in the right way. So that's probably the best example end-to-end, end, but then we, we, we sort of look at that principle and say, well, where, which other sectors could we potentially help in the same way? Thanks for sharing that uh, fascinating example. And just to follow up with that last sentence you just mentioned there, so it seems like uh, the shipping industry is an example of a, a, sec- a business sector that's making a successful transformation to sustainability, or at least trying to through the carbon war room. Um, do you have any sectors in mind that you think there's great opportunity for emissions reductions? Um, perhaps an industry that car, Carbon War Room isn't looking at that could be looking at next? Um, yes, yes. So, so, I mean, I think, so, so first of all, ship, shipping will, you know, sort of technically was the most efficient way of getting a good from A to B, you know, in carbon and cost anyway. It's just, I suppose we spotted from the outside, it's like, but it could be a hell of a lot more efficient. In terms of other sectors, um, the ones that come warm was a bit looking into and uh, with uh, hope, and uh, I've been working on trucking is actually quite similar. Um, so, the, so the road trucking industry, um, aviation, uh, we kind of had to look at, I suppose, with Richard Branson founding it, but actually it's very interesting from a point of view of the shift to, to, to renewable fuels. Um, that they should be economic in the long run, but there's a short run problem. Um, I, I think a classic one for the whole world, if you're sort of doing really simple math on the back of a, uh, you know, the back of a, an envelope and saying where do we need to stay, energy efficiency at large across, you know, sort of 
crudely, U.S., Europe, the developed world, getting those old buildings and those old pumps and motors and old factories um, into top-class energy efficiency, you know, so insulation uh, and lighting and, and heating, cooling, and more. Um, and then, really, I suppose it's new build code uh, and, and, and how do you build the infrastructure in, 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 in China. And then you've obviously got the land use uh, um, changes in in developing world and and, and, key, and, and key, key forests like in the Amazon, et cetera. But in terms of you know your question about where's the the business opportunity, there's huge business opportunity in energy efficiency in general, both residential, commercial, um, but then also industrial. Um, and, and and those are places that the, that the Carbon War and, and, and Rotterdam Institute are together looking at um, uh, to, to see where that money can be money can be made and the climate saved at the same time. Great. Thanks for that, Peter. Amy, I know you had some questions um, about some of Peter's more recent work with the with the B team and, and some of the work he's doing now. Yeah. So following on, I mean, I, I think that shipping story is, is amazing and an example that, you know, I'd love to see if there are ways we can apply that thinking to other industries because you really brought in the, the shippers, the owners, the ports and the port cities and the financing, and that's the kind of thinking that we need to apply to all of these industries. Um, it sounds like somehow the, some of the work of the Carbon War Room has merged into the B team. And um, last fall there was an interview on this podcast with Derek Hanley, so I know we learned a bit about that. But if you could kind of tell us, Peter, how your involvement with the B team and, and what that relationship is and what kind of other projects you're involved in with them. Yeah, yep. So, so, so a little bit earlier in terms of you know, like what was happening in the last week slash you know 24 hours, what's unfolding now. But I, I've effectively come across as as uh, the advisor on on climate. Um, so looking at that in particular as an opportunity. The B team, as I say, is, is really business as a force for good more broadly. Um, and and it is a bunch of leaders getting together in their personal capacity rather than their corporate membership capacity. So it's, it's individuals that, that, that join the B team not and are picked to become you know, sort of leaders and board members rather than um, uh, corporate, the, the, the company. It's, it's, it's a personal mission to, to, to get better and, and set, an, set an example. And, and, and the, the, the model is complementary to carbon war, but I think quite distinct. And so I would have agreed with Richard had, had a, you know, been there at the time, you know, in his office at the time, saying, you know, do you set up something new or do you set up, uh, you know, or, or does, is it one and the same thing? I think carbon war looks at the system and goes, where sometimes in the background, sometimes in, in, in front of house, um, where, where are the system changes that need to happen? In order to, for this industry sector to do uh, to, to, to effectively make money and 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 save carbon and reduce the emissions at the same time, where are those left side of the curve stuff? The B team is, as I say, by its nature more broad, so it's across you know, so for instance, valuing the business case of diversity in the workplace, um, ending anonymous companies within governance, uh, looking at the EPNL. Um, which links both governance and, and environment, and then in, in the environment, calling for action and using our pulpit ability, I suppose, our, our, our pedestal ability of, of, of a unique voice, as well as the leading by example and, and, and think that you know, people can be making money at the same time. I think where, where they come, where they're sort of complementary but slightly different sort of ways of making change happen. So now as the, the B team, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, is what brought you from the UK to the States. And um, you have some new projects going on here. And, and since you are somebody who clearly looks at every problem as an opportunity, um, you told me about something that you're creating with um, now. Is it a nonprofit or is it, a, I think it's a, a social enterprise. So if you could explain to us the difference and, and what it is you're doing with your new organization, Time for Good. Yep, yep. Uh, so, so, so I came across from London in the summer. I would say it's it helped to, or not certainly not hindered both my work at the Carbon War Room and 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 the B team. Um, the, the one that was definitely hindered slash ceased was my, my my sort of formal help with the UK Department of Energy, which I don't think you could be uh, on the books living in America and help the government department in in the UK and and for somebody to uh, still bless that that expense. Um, 
but, but I actually came across for family reasons. So my wife's American. Uh, we've got two very small kids, they, uh, two and a half, and, uh, and and coming up nine, ten months. So so it's like where where to, where to raise them. Um, it took me seven years of marriage to realize that uh, my wife would be really happy back in her home country, whereas I could probably be happy in in many countries since. Uh, London wasn't my hometown. I'm, I'm from Scotland, as, as people might spot from the accent. So I was already abroad uh, down in England, and and so really what would what would be it uh, moving to the states? So so that that was why I, I came across. Uh, really enjoying uh, being in and around uh, New York, uh, like I think many of you. Um, and yes, the, the, the I came across helping the carbon war migrated to be team just as we moved. Uh, that was back in in September October last year. But but I yeah launching a new business. Um, and, a, and a social business um, attacking another market failure that I, I has been sort of close to my heart for the last few years, dealing with the kind of people that, that, that I've been dealing with. Um, Lord Stern, which many of you would, would know uh, on on this call, um, has said that climate change is the single biggest market failure that we have. Um, and it got me thinking, that was one of the things that got me thinking, well, actually, what other big market failures are there that I could maybe sort of turn my attention to? And, and one of those that I think is time. So my, so, so, so my uh, now you know, sort of a new business is, is, is called Time for Good, uh, Time Number Four Good, Time for Good. And, and the idea there really is, is on the consulting side to help people like the V-team, putting my time on good, good, on good projects. But more importantly, trying to work out what is the market failure of time and how can I solve it? Um, and, and I'm creating a business where 90% of the revenue will actually go to charity. But it's, it's, it's a product designed around those whose demand on their time is far outweighs their, their supply. So um, think, think about you know, sort of how much supply of time we've all got. It's, it's actually stayed the same since we were very first created. We've got the number of waking hours in the day, and we've got the ability to really put our attention squarely on one thing. So supply has been fixed since, we've, since, since year dot, whereas demand has gone absolutely crazy in the last few years. Uh, be it from the population explosion, 3 billion people to 7 billion people just since 1960, whether it's the data explosion um, and the online connected explosion, and then there's the Google explosion on those that are good at, their, at what they do. Top of their field, um, people will be demanded far more uh, than, um, uh, than the, the supply could possibly ever cope with. So the service is for uh, a Richard Branson of this world, say, but actually it filters down through them, but let's take him, since we've been talking about him today. He might get 20,000 business plans a month saying, you know, dear Richard, I only need 10 minutes of your time. My business plan is amazing. Um, but if you've got 20,000 of those, then you really can't sort of physically deal with those. So I created, uh, I'm creating a system designed around Richard's problem. Um, it, it sends out an email to those that just can't be responded saying, I'm really sorry. You know, like I only look at new businesses now at Friday at 10, let's say, on a hammock on Necker because that's the, the time that I'm best at looking at new business ideas. Please buy a charity raffle ticket here. You will see more about my charity, Virgin Unite, and what the good work it is. You will always know where you stand, whether you've won the raffle or not. Um, and, um, uh, and, and all the, as I say, 90% of the revenue goes, goes, goes to charity, 70% to Richard's charity. 10% to the buyer trying to get in, in to see Richard, and 10% to my basket of charities as, as well. So the idea is filter, filter it out so that everyone has a, a effectively a triple win. Richard is relaxed. All 20,000 emails are responded to. Inbound, inbound is, is you can cope with. Um, the person, the rising star, knows where they stand. They're either in this week and, and, and preparing furiously. They're out, but they know they're out, and they're going to buy next week's slot. Um, and then the charities themselves. So, so that's the plan, trying to sort and create a market for time. The, a, a raffle is just one measure. Um, so anyone on this call who A, wants to help, B, has uh, famous people that they think have got this pain point as well, um, and any other help in between. I'm, uh, so I must be uh, a, a sort of a startup entrepreneur like many, many on this call. It, it's a fantastic scheme, and I think uh, many of us MBA candidates would, would want to be submitting proposals and bidding on Richard Branson and many others' time, uh, including yours. <laughs> I think it's going to fly. Um, and speaking of time, I know you've recently moved to Connecticut, and that's how we met through a mutual friend. 
And um, we are really lucky to have your time because you're working with us on the local level also. And if you can tell us a little bit about what you're doing um, locally in Westport on the Sustainability Commission so that we get the big broad picture and then also the, you know, focusing in on, on what, what's happening here at home. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's 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 hopefully a two-way gift in terms of uh, you know that so we, we both benefit. I think what I loved about uh, moving to Westport is uh, you know from London, where my, my individual sort of small zip code had 30,000 people in it uh, within a city of 10 million. I'm now in, in a town with 25,000 people. Um, it's been fantastic to uh, have the space, you know, sort of, and, and make you know, sort of small, small town connections very quickly. Um, so there's two main areas on the local level that I've, I've, I've settled on. Um, one is is I've got a, a, a two-year-old going in the twos uh, preschool at, a, at the local nature center, Earthplace, uh, which is just earthplace.org. A fantastic place that thinks sort of much broader than, than, than the preschool. It's a nature and discovery center, environmental learning center. It's on 80 acres, uh, just just near us, and um, I'm I'm on their board of trustees now, looking at what the role is in environmental learning that we can do at a very local level. Now, whether it's obviously getting to the kids, getting to the parents, um, and with education and what they can do, but also can we also serve through research programs like Harbor Watch, um, where they've been monitoring water temperature, biodiversity, and, and local pieces there, can we do that on a larger scale to sort of help the town and, and the broader the broader community um, move towards sustainability? Um, that's one piece, uh, and that's it's sort of partially selfish to make sure that, you know, like my, my little guy is, uh, is, is getting a great education, but also it's a fantastic way of, I think, of, 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 of Earthplace helping the broader community. The other one is on uh, Westport. Um, it, it's called the Green Task Force, uh, Westport's Green Task Force, which is the, the, the town's uh, volunteer uh, subcommittee uh, for the first selectman, which I think is, 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 is the mayor is the mayoral equivalent, um, and we work for him effectively, um, and and uh, work out you know how can how can Westport become green, and I think that the two way sort of exchange for me is hopefully I'm bringing things to them like you know sort of net zero by 2050, which is uh, you know sort of the B team global goal and what we're trying to get into the negotiating text etc. But what I'm getting from them is 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 fantastic. Like well here's actually what's happening on the ground and and how do you make a town do it and and, and how do you get you know, individual houses signing up for a home energy assessment, et cetera, um, and, and working. So, so the learning is 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 is, is definitely two way, and I'm learning uh, an awful lot uh, by, by by helping helping out there. Final piece, I think, on on, on that thought on the local level, is it, 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 it is interesting for us to uh, all of us, I think, to sort of will work out. You know, sort of where is our our impact sort of best at different levels. You know, sort of whether it's on the industry slash sector or or global level. And then where is it on the, the, the town slash community I live in level? And, and, and it was great to fill that in. And it felt like almost an instantaneous once, once I moved to Westport that these opportunities uh, presented themselves. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of excitement when the news of your arrival occurred. And it was a big coup for them to get you on the local committee. So I, I think it's really important. And I thank you for making that connection between the, the global business work and then, you know, really getting people, everyday people thinking about this in their lives and making transitions. Um, I, I know that Simon has a couple more questions. And I just want to ask first, um, Stephanie, if there are any um, calling questions. Sure. Thanks, Amy and Simon and Peter. Um, this is Stephanie with the Bard MBA. And if anyone does have a question for Peter, you can press five star on your phone. And then when I see that, I'll, I'll call on you when there's, when there's a good time to take a break. But just press five star, and it will queue up that you have a question. Um, but before Simon goes into his next question, Peter, I was actually I'm on Twitter, and I just saw that it related to uh, the Zero by 2050 initiative. You're actually hiring an initiative director at the B team to do this. So, um, you know, clearly this is something you all are taking extremely seriously. Maybe of interest to some folks on the call. Yes, yeah, that's right. So there's a, there's a, a challenge manager uh, position that um, we've got, which is effectively helping me on this this uh, this project. So I'm I'm on it as 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 you've already asked me into the, like I've got a sort of balance slash stretch portfolio where I'm trying to do two days a week and or, or and over time slightly less uh, on on the B team and lead the climate work, but um, have a day to day full time presence as sort of uh, you know, running it and helping me uh, make make the biggest impact. So yes, I think the job description is currently live there. It might be. Um, 
split into 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 two positions in terms of a sort of a, more of a sort of a research, you know, like what's out there, what's the best answer right now, and a stakeholder, you know, like how do we gather the right conveners in the room and how do we move this along? Uh, but at the moment, um, we're looking for this amazing combination of, of, of both. Um, um, so it's either both or either. Um, but yes, the, the job is open. Uh, we're looking at uh, applications and speaking, and we're hopefully closing it uh, fairly soon. So that's that's that one. And and yes, not not as not as uh, as well backed yet. And I say yet, um, but but the the social business and time for good. I'm looking for 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 help and 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 both. Uh, as I as I say in that one, uh, hunters as in going out and getting. The, um, uh, the the top customers that will effectively have this pain point of time and farmers like uh, looking after people properly and, and making sure that they're all there so account management and and, and, and business development um, but yeah the, so 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 yeah definitely looking for help and 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 all these things wonderful well if you have a job description for that feel free to send our way and we can send it out to our network as well for you. Um, but with that, I'll let Simon and Amy continue the conversation. And we have we don't have any callers yet wanting to ask questions, but again, if you are interested, please press 5-star on your phone. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. Um, Peter, you talked a bit about uh, funding mechanisms in, in, with the, uh, the shipping industry and hearing about, you know, getting some backing for Time for Good. And, and as we're taking finance this semester um, – I'm just curious, you know, when you're exposed to all these incredible ideas on a daily basis and from your experience, you know, with Carbon War Room and now with uh, Time for Good, what are some of the more successful practices for raising funds for these great ideas um, that, you, that you've been a part of? Yeah, and um, so I think it's probably worth just splitting the question into a couple of, sure. of different parts um, in that um, – the carbon warming projects of, say, shipping island nations, uh, which we didn't mention earlier, but that's another uh, you know, sort of interesting project, I think, um, aviation, trucking, like those projects, I think the, the place where those raising funds were successful was, was when we're very uh, – and, and this crosses over to the for-profit world as well, I think, is when the, the idea is crystal clear and you, your role is clear, so you know where you sit within the, the stakeholders – and so you can t- talk to either a partner, uh, be it an NGO or, or, or corporate, or you can talk to a funder, and you see this is where you know sort of our project, particular project makes sense. This is what its success looks like, and this is what we're doing about it, and here's what we've done so far. And I think the sort of being very clear on those was the way through, I think, with Carbon War and getting the funding we did on, say, the shipping industry or the islands one. Um, the other piece on that, um, uh, a, a brilliant backer of the Carbon War Room since inception was this uh, was, a, was a, a social business called the Dutch Postcode Lottery, which is based in Holland. Um, um, but they get their money from lottery buyers, and, and, and a big percentage of their money uh, then is, is funneled off to charity. Half of the revenue goes to charity. And one of the inspirations behind my Time for Good model was from was from that. But they've given a tremendous amount of money per year to charity. 270 million euro is going to charities from the Dutch Postcode Lottery. So their problem is almost finding trusted NGOs rather than, um, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I've got I've got too many people asking me for money. It, it's almost like where can the, where are the best projects? So the success on the carbon warming funding, you know, takes with something like the Dutch Postcode Lottery, was proving results. Um, and being very focused and becoming a trusted partner, and then over the years saying, well, oh, we use an extra project. If you liked what we did over here, then you know, try this one. Um, I, I, the similar lesson across into the private sector world, you know, well, that's all very well, but you know, if you start with zero, well, we did start with zero, you know, sort of or close to it for project revenue back in 2009, and that was a case of bootstrapping and, and, and working out, well, what are we doing in the, in the shipping industry? We ran it on a very thin budget, you know, sort of a couple hundred grand, you know, sort of over, over well over a year, including websites and people and travel, um, and, and, and sort of got it up and running, and then, you know, so then you've got a story to tell because you're pointing to it. They, it it's like the, take the islands operation. It's like what we did in shipping, except we're taking, you know, we're flipping the, the islands and the Caribbean off fossil fuels. You know, they go, okay, I've got, I've got the anchor, and I've got, and I've got the exciting vision that you're painting for me in terms of, uh, you know, sort of an island off fossil fuels. In terms of the the, the, the for-profit side, um, I spent most of five years trying to funnel and, and just just be in the middle between good entrepreneurs and and, and good backers. 
Um, but but I'm sort of finding now, you know, sort of I, I'm on I'm on the entrepreneurial side. So so I'd say I'm I'm less far less experienced maybe than some on the call. But some of the lessons seem to be uh, the, the same the same lessons. You know, sort of is your pitch exactly right? Are you very clear on where success is and where you are in the stakeholder map? And and, and can you actually sort of prove some traction already? So I haven't actually sort of gone out funding um, uh, extensively yet. I'm I'm sort of taking some savings, you know, sort of building a prototype. Engaging some customers, and 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 I think I think especially in this online world where you can really start a business on 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 very little relatively, um, that I think most backers these days are are looking for like well what have you built so far and what is the customer engagement so far? You can't just rock up with a PowerPoint and an Excel and say isn't this a brilliant idea? Please back me. Thanks, Peter. It's interesting to hear, you know, those two different perspectives that you're you're experiencing now, and uh, I think that's very helpful for a lot of our listeners and Amy and I as we, you know, take on some some financing projects of our own at at the Bard MBA program. Um, we've touched on this question a little bit, but I think that uh, our listeners would be interested to hear a little more. Um, there's this triad of policy, capital, and technology that are working together to create the successful, uh, sustainable business or project. And so if you could describe how that works and maybe your thoughts on how, how business – and, you know, we've touched on this a little bit with, with, the, with the big announcement you made earlier – how business can steer and influence uh, progressive policy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always had in Carbon War Room the, the sort of the, that triangle of policy, capital, and technology, and the idea that really policy is a necessary but insufficient condition to get things done. Like if you were heading in pre-Copenhagen or now as we head in pre-Paris, let's not sort of kid ourselves that, you know, sort of if it's a deal, then fantastic, we can all go home because the job's done. And if it's not a deal, it's tragedy because nothing else can be done. You know, sort of it's, it, it's great to have policy that it's enabling, but it's but, but, but as I say, it's, it's not the be-all and end-all. So, so, so that's the policy piece. It's great when it enables, um, and it's also, uh, but, but it also can be distorted. In terms of technology, uh, the, the quote was right out from our website, you know, so most of the technologies there, or at least if we can fully maximize the technologies there, would be an awful lot further towards full sustainability than we are now. And then in the, in the time it would take us to really deploy the existing technology scale, new technologies would already be coming down the pike and already be uh, now available. You know, it's like that technology piece, that's not the limiting factor. So if you have like one's necessary but not sufficient, the other one's definitely not the limiting factor and it will always be running ahead of successful deployment, you're kind of left with capital and business saying that's the one to focus on as, as sort of how do we really drive you know the move to sustainability over the over the next few years. The new climate economy is a good study, which you guys may already be on top of, um, which points to 90 trillion dollars is needed to be invested in infrastructure in the next 15 years. Anyway, it can either be a high carbon one, um, or it can be a low carbon one for I think a few hundred billion more. So the the, the idea that um, we know sort of we can make this transition, and it's an it's a sort of a climate resilient choice. Or it's or it's not, but the, but the answer feels like it's it, it, it's squarely with, with within business. In terms of then, what can we do? Um, and that crosses over, I suppose, my my little experience I've got with with Carmorum and, and B team. The classic piece is that sort of will give me a rock to stand on, and and then you know, watch me move things. We've got to as business lead by example. So create sort of things like the RE100 campaign, which is you know sort of a business pledging to be 100% renewable by 2020. Um, there's a, a Road to Paris campaign orchestrated by Carbon Disclosure Project, We Mean Business Coalition and others, getting businesses to sign up to things and then publish it, publishing their progress. That is totally vital because without that, we can't then nudge policymakers. Um, and and but with that in mind, you can then do it because Carbon Warm had it, had it as well. We said we're never a policy NGO. We're always a business NGO. But because of that, we got leaned on by policy saying, well, can, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that from the point of view of business? And likewise, as business people, if we get our own house in order and set ambitious goals and go for them and then declare them, actually will be useful to to, to, to policy because policy sees, sees business getting out of you don't You don't see much policy, I don't think, getting made in complete courage well out in front of business. What you see most policy in this area doing, uh, again, and this might be a personal belief, is that they see business or the front end of business achieving something, 
and that gives them the, encar- the, the, the encouragement to legislate to that standard. So, so, so business has that opportunity to lead from the front, show it, and then come to the table. But it's almost like we have to do those things you know, sort of in, in close parallel or sequence rather than just go out and thump our table you know, and say this has to happen without doing stuff. And the great thing is just to end, you know, to, to, to end the sort of thought on that question, you'd be like, that's great because that's what businesses do anyway. You know, like, it, it is all about action. It is all about profit and, and, and making the next order and, 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 and you know, making wealth for itself and the customers we're selling to, um, you know, improving lives through, through business. So actually that, that idea of do first and then ask, you know, sort of second for, some, for, for, for something is, uh, is, is, is perfectly in keeping with what business should be doing. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, allowing business to kind of lead the way in sustainability is, is one of the main reasons the, the BART MBA program was, was founded in the first place, actually. So it's, it's really helpful to hear that response from someone who's been in the field. Um, as someone who's had some, some great experience working with uh, helping business industries become more sustainable and now working for the B team and, and starting up your own social enterprise, um, what advice would you have for all um, all of us MBAs l- looking to uh, have opportunities to make business more sustainable? Um, yeah, uh, it would be great open-ended question, um, and hopefully you've got some fantastic answers over the months um, <laughs> yeah. from, from, uh, from others that know more than me. Um, I mean, the one sort of quote that you know, there's, there's some cliches that are cliches because they're right, and 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 or sayings that become well known just because they have that element of truth in them. And 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 so I would I would open with a, the classic one that sort of guided me for a few years, which is you know whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Um, and and so you do need to start with that belief on what you're about to do next. Um, and if you have that belief and and you really do think you can, then then it's amazing what the world then does and the people you talk to um, to make it come to pass. Um, you know, sort of if you've got a purpose, it, it, you know, sort of that that you know, things will happen. It's not quite as strong as the George. I mean, sorry, it's not quite as far out there as the George Bernard Shaw quote saying, you know, sort of all all, all progress is in the hands of unreasonable men. I think he said, um, but but it, it's it's close to that. It's like if you've got your belief and you think you can, then then it's amazing how how things align. I think to to, to help you. That's one thought. Um, the other one is, is, is like knowing yourself um, as well in terms of like, are you a big company person or a small company person? Are you, you know, are you going to fit best in a non-profit or a for-profit? Um, you know, sort of knowing your weaknesses um, and your strengths is, is, a, is, a, is a lifelong journey. I, I think it's become even more apparent when you're an entrepreneur, uh, as I've been for the last few months, just because you think, if I don't fill that skill gap, um, then the business will fail. Um, but, but that self-knowledge is, is actually really interesting through corporate life and through NGO life and any other you know, political life. It's, it's, it's like getting, surrounding yourself with people that sort of balance you and, and, and knowing you know, where you fit, uh, I think, is, is, is probably a second thought. Um, and then in terms of like, you know, changing the world and, you know, another quote, I mean, Gandhi's one, like, be the change you want to be, be the change you want to see in the world. Um, you know, sort of don't, don't settle on, on, on anything less, really, in, in, in terms of, um, you know, we've only got one chance at this. Um, so, 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 so keep thinking and, and, and setting your sights high. And, and, and I love um, that the idea we had on island nations, for instance, when we were talking with the Caribbean and, and, and helping prime ministers turn their economies off fossil fuels and onto, onto solar and wind. It's like, if you, can't, if you can't solve the problem, make the problem larger. So, for instance, um, you know, sort of if you think of solar in isolation and you think of energy storage in, in isolation and then transport in isolation, you go, well, we're never going to flip this country off the grid. But if you, if, you, if you take a step back and go, well, that's interesting. What if we turned the cars into electric vehicles with oversized batteries? They would be the storage for the solar that is currently intermittent and then therefore would, you know, like we can't have all solar and wind because we wouldn't then have steady power. But, but if, you, if you, you, you zoomed out and went, well, actually, let's take transport into the problem, not just have a transport problem and an energy problem, then you can actually start to solve things together. And then on a personal basis and looking into business, it's like, what's that piece like? Is there an opportunity to zoom out and have a look at the woods and then zoom back in and go, well, I'm, you know, I'm currently climbing this tree? Great. Thank you. Um, Stephanie, are there any questions from the listeners at this point? No, we don't 
have any, but last call for questions, please press five star. Um, we will need to finish up in a few uh, minutes. But you know, this has been a wonderful conversation, Peter, and um, I love the idea of finding solutions for things that you wouldn't normally think about. Um, and I think that's where the innovation comes in. A lot of it's right in front of us right now, and we just need to see it a new way. So, um, so it looks like, Simon and Amy, no questions are coming in. Do you all have one last question or any uh, closing thoughts, Peter, that you wanted to give us? Yeah, I was just going to ask Peter, um, you know, first of all, thank, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your optimism and your entrepreneurial skills um, on the topic of sustainability. And, it, yeah, just if there's anything we haven't covered or any, any last words you, you want to share with the audience, um, we'd love to hear them. Uh, no, I mean, it's uh, lovely, lovely chatting to everyone here, and, and, and you know, sort of, I suppose, uh, the, the the offer uh, stands, you know, sort of, you know, the, everyone here that has worked in business and other places, you know, sort of a meeting in person is, is so much better than, uh, you know, sort of a call. Uh, so very happy to, to, to meet, uh, whether it's uh, things that you do in person or, or other places. I know the power of the in-person meeting versus the call uh, in both business uh, where, you know, these things just wouldn't have been done. So, for instance, you know, sort of anything in, in the Virgin career almost is, is, is about sort of getting, you know, sort of eye-to-eye -eye with people. Um, Carl Morum, um, B-team, just to loop this right back in, um, um, we were sitting in before Davos um, where the B-team leaders gathered recently with a strategy that said, you know, net zero by 2050, we should call for this, and these are the reasons why. But no real agreements or buy-in because, you know, some company was worried about the date being too soon. Another company was worried about, you know, what, what does that mean for my sector, et cetera. And so sitting there as a strategy, um, but then they come together as an energy and they, you know, sort of, uh, we almost had to stop the, the, the leaders from sort of thumping the table, leaving the board meeting and, and asking for a press conference. Uh, and calling for it there and then, the excitement was in the room. So um, I use that as an example, as in like, you know, sort of don't, uh, you know, sort of take uh, sort of things like a, a podcast and, and other things as, as that's the be all and end all. You know, like what is there beyond that? You know, sort of how, how can people get together uh, to make things happen, whether it's in your business, whether it's me uh, help, helping you guys again. Um, we'd, love, we'd, love, we'd love to do so. Thank you, Peter. This is Stephanie. We actually had someone who just chimed in real quick and wants to ask you a quick question. Do you have a few minutes? Of course. Okay, great. So um, I'm on muting line 917, uh, let's see, 2397427. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello. Yes, Hello. can hear you. Hello. We can hear you. Hello. Maybe you can. Hello. We can hear you. Oh, okay. I can't hear you without the headphones. Sorry, I was just wondering that possibly that you could have a list of small businesses listed on the internet about um, how you encounter them, how they inspire you, that amongst themselves that they can be inspired and possibly have a conversation crowdsourcing their brain work ideas on how to continue this effort. Yeah, so, so I would repeat the question. So it's like, is, is there, is there, do we have a list of or a place where small businesses can come and, and, and sort of share their visions and, 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 and yes. sort of collaborate together? Yeah, great question. Um, with a couple of different answers. I, I think, you know, in terms of technically, um, the, 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 the LinkedIn groups uh, seem to be a good place where we've seen in the past both Carver Morham and to a limited and new extent, uh, the B team in terms of where those that, that those could happen. Um, in, in industry sectors, for instance, um, Carbon War has some groups off the back of its websites where it's like there's the solar industry getting together or the island, uh, you know, sort of energy system piece. Um, what we are planning on doing, which uh, there's also a LinkedIn group just started on uh, the, the zero by 2050 uh, with B team. Uh, there's obviously the hashtag um, in in Twitter that, that we've, we've started. But I think you're right as as a challenge. What we don't yet have, and we're thinking about it, is um, we've dubbed it in 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 
concert with our partners at Track Zero. Uh, TrackZero.org actually is, is a good uh, reference, by the way, in terms of those companies that are really heading for both goals and and, and the zero goal. Um, but to, to coin the term zero heroes and, and work out, is there a community for those that are really shooting for this stuff? And and, um, and and can they share ideas? And that's something that's definitely on our vision and B team because B team will hopefully become not only something that, you know, there's 14 leaders out there that everyone's heard of, but a lot of small businesses and medium-sized enterprises and even, you know, sort of people within large corporates joining up and signing up to the, 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 the uh, challenges because they want to change, you know, the sphere of influence they're, they're, they're in. So um, part of it, the answer is yes, those groups exist a little bit um, off the back of the ones I know, Carmen Warren and B Team, um, both on LinkedIn and Facebook. But but the other one is, uh, you know, that, that I think you're right. There is, there's, there's forums to come, say, like the Zero Heroes idea that, that, that I think we should be developing. Okay. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that and you being here to inspire us even further. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you so much for your question. And you know, unfortunately, we're out of time. And I know, Peter, we could keep on talking to you for a long time longer. So I'm sure we should all meet in person, I think, at some point instead. And uh, thank you all so much for tuning in, for taking your time, the time out of your lunch hour, and to Amy and Simon for leading today's conversation and to Peter. So um, join us next time, which will be on February 27th, for a conversation with Ermi Basu, who is founder of New Light, New Light India. So thank you, everyone, and have a great weekend. And thank you for joining Sustainable Business Fridays. Thank you. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks.